Hi, I'm Jason Wachab, founder and CEO of MindBuddyGreen, the best-selling author of Wealth, and your host for the MindBuddyGreen podcast, where I'll be bringing you deep and insightful dialogues with some of the greatest minds in wellness. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star review, comment, and share with your friends and family. And don't forget to visit us at MindBuddyGreen.com for your daily dose of wellness. We are so excited to welcome our newest podcast sponsor, Health IQ. Health IQ is a life insurance agency that uses science and data from apps, race results, and more to secure lower rates for health-conscious people. Most of you know that my wife Colleen and I live healthy lifestyles. We exercise regularly, even if sometimes that just means walking our daughter Ellie around our neighborhood. We meditate and eat clean, mostly plant-based diets. Life insurance companies historically charge more for a family history of health problems or high BMI, so it's nice to know that the opposite also exists a life insurance agency that rewards health-conscious people like us. Plus, the data is there to back it up. An overall healthy lifestyle is associated with a 57 to 60% lower risk of cardiovascular disease and all-cause mortality. It's hard to argue with that. To learn more and get a free quote, head to healthiq.com slash mbg. Again, that's healthiq.com slash mbg. Hey, everybody. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you all for listening to the podcast and to say that we want to listen to you. So if you have any questions, any dream guests, we are all ears. I would love to hear from you. So ask me anything and stay tuned for the answers or your dream guests on this very podcast. Send your questions to podcast at mindbodygreen.com. That's podcast at mindbodygreen.com. And I look forward to hearing from all of you. Thanks so much. And let's go back to the podcast. Ella Mills, also known as Deliciously Ella, is one of the biggest names in health and wellness. She's a British blogger, best-selling author, and entrepreneur who many credit with putting food bloggers on the map across the world. In this episode, Ella talks about everything from her own personal health struggles to the realities of being an entrepreneur in wellness. Ella, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You're here in the USA in our hometown of Brooklyn. I am. I'm so excited. And I just got the tourist picture with the Brooklyn Bridge. You got to do it. You got to do it. Well, we're so glad you're here. And congratulations on your amazing new book, which everyone has to pick up, (laughs) Natural Feasts. Thank you very much. Congratulations. So for people who don't know, There's a health story and a health journey. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah, so um, it always feels quite ironic when you're somewhere that you'd never expect to be in your life, like being here, promoting a book, the other side of the world. And this is like the least expected thing ever. I started Delicious Ella back in 2012, um, but never with the intention of doing what I'm doing with it now. Um, Growing up, I was never interested in healthy eating. I was like a proper Ben & Jerry's candy Haribo addict. <laughs> and um, I wasn't really that into my fruit and vegetables. I wasn't a great eater. And in 2011, at the end of my second year at college, um, I got very unwell. And I spent about four months in NAV hospital. And I was oh. diagnosed with a condition called postural tachycardia syndrome. Can you say that again? Yeah, it's quite a mouthful, isn't it? <laughs> postural tachycardia syndrome. And it's um, it affects your autonomic nervous system. And um, there's nothing wrong with any of the organs, but it's just struggling to control them properly. So like, when I sat down, my heart rate was normal. It would be 60-something, and then you stand up, and immediately it's 180, 190. Whoa. And um, your blood pressure drops, and that comes with really dizziness and passing out and kind of inability to to walk around properly really and then I had tons of digestive issues I looked like I was nine months pregnant and um, I had chronic fatigue and other complications as well and so I spent after I was diagnosed I was put on tons of medication and steroids and things and I spent the next year taking all of those very diligently but to quite little success and I was still basically spending all of my time on my own at home I watched all of the Kardashians and, oh, wow. and all Grey's Anatomy and all TV that I, I could didn't know find. you guys watched the Kardashians in London but yeah apparently- well, I need I anyway it was it was getting to a point that was not not good really and I hit a real rock bottom mentally um, about a year later and I really was struggling with depression and that feeling of isolation and the kind of total lack of purpose and sense of kind of 
uselessness to some extent because I would wake up in the morning, stay in bed, watch TV, and then refresh Facebook, see pictures of all my friends going out, having a good time, and feel really, really on my own. And so I realized that I had to do something because the current plan just wasn't working and it wasn't making enough difference. I was never going to be able to go out and have a job and be the person that I wanted to be. And how, you're pretty young at this point. Yeah, how, I was really young. I was 20. Wow. Um, and Everyone else is going out, having a good time, yeah, partying, and exactly. you're like, I can't get up off the floor. Totally. And it's also, everyone was very nice, but I think it's very challenging to relate at that point. And I was also very embarrassed and uncomfortable. I've never been someone who liked standing out and real introvert heart, which also feels ironic now doing what I do. <laughs> but that's definitely kind of my natural state. And so I, I felt weird and uncomfortable being different from other people. And I didn't really understand what was going on myself. And so I found it hard to explain it to other people and what the problems was. And it's very invisible. Like on the surface, you can't see that anything's wrong. And so I started to think about what else I could do potentially to help myself. And I obviously turned to Google because that's what everyone does these days. And I started researching um, natural healing and alternative healing and looking at things like that. And I came across lots of people from all different backgrounds and walks of life and with all kinds of different issues, some much more serious than others, who were using diet and lifestyle and nutrition and a kind of change of way of life to manage lots of those symptoms and I was really inspired by that honestly like I'd always heard people say before you are what you eat and I was like okay I'm not a gummy bear so like I'm obviously <laughs> I'm not, not a gummy bear I'm not a tub of ice cream I'm not a burger I can't be that and I never really kind of thought about it much before I never really had needed to and then it really started to resonate with me and I was incredibly inspired by it. So I thought, okay, I have nothing to lose. I might as well try. I might as well see if changing my diet will help me. But I couldn't cook either because I'd never really been that interested in food. And I mean, I could boil an egg and make pasta, but not much more than that. And I also had all these preconceptions that healthy food was boring and that healthy food was just going to be bowls of lettuce with cucumber and carrot and tomato and nothing much more than that and so I decided I would learn to cook and make healthier food that was much more interesting than my preconceptions and see if that was possible and overnight therefore Delicious Yellow was born a friend of mine who was much more kind of tech savvy than I was said oh you should write it as a blog and at that point this is early 2012 I wasn't very familiar with blogs it was still quite a kind of new space how do you come up with the name Deliciously Ella? It's just so, so it just seems like so seamless because everyone knows you. It's oh, Deliciously Ella. I know, and everyone thinks I'm called Delicious. Right. <laughs> like oh, it's Deliciously. I'm like no. Nice that's to meet done. you, Deliciously. Actually, and I'm like that's not my name. I promise. Um, honestly, I wish I had such a good story for that, but I really, really don't. I EllaWoodward.com sounded a bit boring and not very like food, and so. Um, I went for Delicious Yellow, it was about food, and I wanted to make it delicious, and it was really as simple as that. But the blog was kind of served two purposes, really, because it really helped on the physical side because it started getting me cooking, it started getting me eating properly and thinking about what I was eating. And that took a couple of years to see results, like it really, really did work for me. But it helped me mentally massively as well because I was so kind of lost in a vortex of, lack of aim and purpose and kind of complete confusion about who I really was and sense of identity and as I started sharing and learning I was falling in love with cooking and creating and food photography and that kind of sense of sharing and community online but it also meant that every day I actually had something to do and I'd gone from just refreshing Facebook and looking at what I wasn't doing to actually having something that felt like I'd accomplished something every day and that was really exciting. And then also people started connecting and emailing in. And that was amazing to start kind of talking to people about something that you were really passionate about. So is that the good part of social media? You're sharing and then you're, you're discovering people who have the same thing you have and are on the journey together. Definitely. I mean, I think, I think social media gets a bad rep sometimes. It, it's important, yes. I think, that we look at both sides of anything. And I do think that the most important thing with social media is like, and it's something I try and talk about as much as people will listen to me. But I do think 
it's incredible for ideas it's incredible for inspiration I think I follow over 900 people there now and I get so many ideas from everything from what to wear to great new natural beauty brands yoga poses great videos online to food cooking and everything in between and that's amazing but it is a place for ideas and it is a place for inspiration and it's it's not real to that extent it's a snapshot into reality but it's not kind of blow by blow account of people's day to day and I think it's so important that we see as that because otherwise I think it becomes quite a negative kind of tool for comparison looking at what we don't have or what somebody else does have that we wish we had Um, But I do think the way that it brings people together and connects people and does create a sense of community and shared passion for something is really exciting. So I have a couple questions. One, when did you start to feel better in this journey? So you're starting to cook, like you're feeling terrible, like you're starting to cook, you're starting to educate yourself around diet. So like talk to us about what you did specifically in terms of how you change the way you eat. Like what was that and how quickly did you start to feel better? Well, it was a pretty drastic change, to be honest, because I said I was not the best eater beforehand. And it it took a while, to be honest. I think also we do live in a space where we always want something instant. We live in such a kind of quick fix world. And I don't think necessarily kind of a more natural process of, of taking care of yourself is, is that quick. I think it, for me, at least, it took a while to see much. Well, first of all, my cooking was horrific to start with, I think, truth be told. And the food was really gross and not very varied. I ate too much kind of porridge with water because I didn't know how else to do it. I never heard of almond milk. Was it gluten-free porridge? Did you Um, cut out gluten immediately? Yeah, I did. That was one of the first things I did. But I'd never heard of almond milk. I had no concept like how one would get milk from an almond or oat milk or coconut milk or any of the rest of it. So yeah, it was basically just oats and water and it was disgusting. So, so what did you cut out immediately? Um, so I think my first thing was to focus on, before I'd focus on just convenience, like what was available quickly and therefore it wasn't fresh. And the first thing I wanted to do was start focusing on fresh food, eating fruit and vegetables as the center point of the mm-hmm. meal and kind of building up around that well, so what was the what did you eat like before was it really like was it a were gummy gummy bears the cornerstone of every meal or how <laughs> bad was your diet um do you know what? i probably make it sound worse than it maybe was i think it was honestly just like your average diet of people who maybe aren't so focused on what they're eating so I would eat cereal for breakfast. I would grab a sandwich or something like that for lunch or a bagel. Um, for dinner, I would, if I was out, I would just have whatever's on the menu, but I would make pasta. Sure. And then I would eat a lot of candy and ton of carbs, around. ton of sugar. Ton yeah, of and everything kind of from a packet, really, and just mm-hmm. nothing, never really focusing on fresh or, you know, did you eat a vegetable today? I'd probably go like a week without eating a vegetable. I mean, it might have been in the sauce or like a tomato in a sandwich or something, but there was never something that was really being celebrated. Um, So that was a big change for me immediately, was kind of really switching up the mentality and actually trying to do the polar opposite and focus on kind of real ingredients and whole ingredients that you would buy and cut and cook and saute or roast or whatever else it was but actually start really creating, which was a process that I really enjoyed. Although to start with, I ate so much. Like I didn't like fruit and vegetables very much. And so I was like, oh, how can you hide them? And so I would just get kind of like zucchini and tomatoes and then some kind of like tomato pure, like paste or tinned tomatoes or something and put them in a pan and just mush them down until they kind of no longer... Make baby food? Make baby food, basically, until they <laughs> no longer resembled what they were meant to be. And then I'd eat that with brown rice pasta. And I must have had that video for like a month straight every day so it took a little bit longer I think to begin with to see changes in how I felt because I wasn't doing a great job I don't think with my meals I was trying but not that successfully but I would say after like two or three months I started to notice notice a little bit of a difference it was nothing drastic but I just some of the symptoms were a bit better my digestive problems were a little bit better I would have slightly less pain slightly less uncomfortable a little bit less kind of groggy and then it really took me like the best part of three three and a half years to say that I was like pretty normal wow I came off my medication after two years and at that point I was able to function again properly and kind of be able to honor every commitment that I made and see people and and be able to kind of 
do normal things but it then after I reached that point I would say it took me another kind of year year and a half to focus in on the kind of more specific issues like when I wasn't very well I spent just over two years on antibiotics and I even did an antibiotic drip for three weeks because I had loads of problems with infections and so my gut was in a really really bad way so it was kind of the last year last year and a half where I was more focusing on kind of specific issues like that and then at the end of that that's when I would say kind of touch wood since then it's been really really stable wow so something you know you mentioned social media and being positive and, and something which people who follow you I think really respond to is your your voice which is authentic and you will tell people hey I'm struggling whether it's anxiety or, or how I'm feeling and talk to us about that yeah I mean that's always been really important to me everything I mean delicious yellow has grown so much in the last few years but it's always been a very personal thing and about a personal journey and to me, as you said, I think so many people see social media as this place of perfection. Yeah. And Here's see, my handstand on the beach. Totally. And like, I'm really good at handstands, but it's like, how many times did you fall and hurt yourself before you mastered it? Like, we've all been there and we've all done that. And I think so often we see a final image and it's so polished and beautiful. And we forget everything that goes into to creating that. And... I think sometimes we look at people and we're like, oh, they must be so confident. I know, you know, I'll sit down so often in interviewing people be like, how are you so confident? And I think if you look at someone and they have a million followers, you just assume that has to be the case. And actually for me, it's the polar opposite. And especially when I was ill, like I'd always had kind of normal insecurities, but those have been kind of exploded when I got sick and I kind of really felt so negatively about myself and who I was and that I wasn't good enough and that I didn't fit in and that no one would like me because I wouldn't be able to do this with them and I wouldn't be able to do that with them and I had to work really hard to come back from that place and I would say it's taken me longer to feel well mentally in some respect than physically and get that sense of confidence and comfortableness in myself back and so it's been really important to me to kind of share that journey and that sure. process because otherwise I feel that I've always wanted Delicious Yellow to be useful. That was to me the point of creating it. I wanted to share what I was learning and the inspiration that I was getting and that healthy could be for everyone and it could be easier. And to me, it's inauthentic to share that, but then not share the fact that like it's done by a human and by a person. Mm. And that being said, like I'm not going to wake up every morning and be like, guys, let me write you the list of things I'm stressed about. You know, number one, like paying our rent. Number two, you know, especially when you're starting a business, you know, it gets sure. you. People start connecting with it sometimes as it gets bigger, and they're like, oh my god, this is amazing. How have they created this? And you're like, yeah, we didn't know we could keep the lights on this week, or <laughs> you know, all the rest of it, all the problems you've had. And to me, it's really important to be as honest about that as possible because I've always found that more inspiring because I believe that I can do it too because you see that people are like you they're normal they're flawed they're not perfect they do stress with stuff they do struggle with stuff and that those kind of insecurities and issues are, are normal and they're commonplace sure well I think it's important in wellness a lot of people are on personal health journeys and and that's a big part of your story and I think there's pressure sometimes you go through a health journey and and you're feeling terrible or maybe there's disease or something and you overcome it and and there's pressure that comes with that where some people are afraid to share like you know what like I'm struggling again now and maybe I don't want to share that and then you start thinking like well if I don't share that like what's going to happen and or like maybe I'm doing something wrong and the pressure to you're also inspiring people and there's pressure that comes with that. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. And I remember kind of as it started growing, suddenly seeing there was 100,000 people there. And I was like, that's a lot I of can't people. let them down. Yeah, exactly. And I think then you're like, I have to have a great content for them today. I have to have this, I have to have that. And then you suddenly like, that's not why I created this. Sure. I created this to share something that I loved and that was authentic and that was real and that was there to make me feel better, not worse. But I completely agree. I think everyone can feel that pressure. And it's important to let them know when, you know what, I'm having a bad day or like my health isn't so great right now and here's why. And it's okay and we're on this journey because it's not like you overcome a health issue and then it's like, oh, like I'm good forever. Yeah, exactly. Done, ticked. And I'm also a really big believer in, um, you know, I always see, you know, great quotes around the place about not trying not to judge people 
because you have no idea what's going on behind the surface. And I think that also comes with that important, the importance of honesty, because I think so often you can look at people's life and you're like, it's perfect. Look at the happy picture of the couple or whatever. Because I work with my husband as well. So sure. he's kind of, you know, as you know, like involved so much in it. So people will be like, they must be perfect. And you're like, no, obviously not. Like not in any shape or form. And, you know, you've been through difficult stuff, like parents getting divorced. My mother-in-law is very ill. Like we've been through tricky some of like the most tricky things in the last 12 months. And I think sometimes it's not something I'm going to be talking about every day because it's not, you know, it's personal and there's private stuff that's not right because that's up to our families and the people around us about the information we share. It's not, it's not just my prerogative, but at the same time, it's important, I think, to acknowledge it because otherwise people think, oh my God, they must have no worries. Something wrong with me that this is happening and that's happening. But actually I'm really a big believer in that sense of community and the shared idea of like, we're all in this together. And I think that's inspiring. Right. So you mentioned your parents and for people who don't know, they were behind this Sansberries. Am I pronouncing it correctly? Yeah, Which is yeah. like a huge grocery retailer in the UK. Like the equivalent here in the US is like Safeway or Albertson. It's huge. And like, how did that influence you and like food and your understanding of it and how you evolved and, and how when when you were going through your own health crisis like how they looked at it and how they've changed yeah so that was my mom's um my mom's family and they're they're really amazing and i think they've always inspired me because it's incredible to see what they've done and created and that's a, a lot of that's my grandpa and he's he's really amazing and they've been so supportive i think of us as well and kind of that entrepreneurial spirit and and really kind of getting out there and creating something and um, my mom especially I think because she has that kind of grew up in a, a household that was passionate about food and mm-hmm. and retail and she's so passionate about what we do and she's literally our number one supporter <laughs> and does everything with us and for us and especially when I was getting started and I was doing everything on my own I would call her a hundred times a day ask her every single question she's helped with every step of the way like would never have been able to do it without her do you think your metamorphosis and view on food has influenced her and how she looks at food yeah it has actually and it's it's been interesting she's become a vegetarian oh wow as well so we, we have that together which is nice and i think it's been in my whole family's view has shifted a little bit i think and it's been a kind of natural slow process but i think them like I did as well, had these kind of really negative preconceptions slightly beforehand, like what healthy food was. And it was either kind of diety, it was like a Atkins diet or something sure. like that, which wasn't really about health, more about weight loss mm-hmm. and not so delicious necessarily. Or it was a kind of, especially on the vegetarian side, like a kind of slightly hippie old school view of it, where it was all like nut roast and yeah, stuffed vegan, peppers. Vegan, crunchy. Exactly, crunchy and like not, not very... Yeah. modern and and exciting but i realized really early on if i said to people and if someone had said to me before i started any of this oh do you want to come over for a vegan gluten-free or fine sugar-free meal i'd be like no i'm really busy tonight <laughs> I'm, that having, one out. I'm having pizza and i'm not coming and actually i realized as soon as you take the labels away and you're like oh i've made this really delicious meal i've sorted garlic and onion with mustard seeds and cumin and turmeric and paprika and then cooked it in coconut milk with uh, chickpeas and cauliflower and then wilted in spinach and made an apple crumble with cinnamon and nutmeg like do you want to come for dinner they'd be like yes Yes, i'm hungry feed me and i've noticed that with my friends and family a lot and that's something therefore i've tried to bring into delicious yellow as well is that sense of like let's just make it about the food let's just make it about great ingredients celebrating those ingredients and like let's let people bring them to the table in whichever way they want to do it so when we cook at home that is the base really like healthy food fresh food and then people might add on this or that or the next thing because that's what makes it works for them but that it's been a kind of now they fill their plate more and more and even last christmas i noticed like suddenly 80 percent of the spread was like really colorful tons of sprouts and sweet potatoes and carrots and parsnips and everything else and that's what most of their plate was which never would have been the case before because we never would have given those foods the attention it was like boiled brussels sprouts which no one wants to eat 
I have nothing against Brussels sprouts. But I love Brussels sprouts, but I'll boiled crispy. sprouts. I won't do Brussels sprouts. That's I'll what do I mean. Exactly. I like, fry, I like like the really crispy Brussels when sprouts. When they're roasted and yeah. they're all with like, they're so good. Like, Charred. Ro- exactly. And then you do them with like roasted hazelnuts and pomegranates and a bit of maple for like to, to, to stop the tartness and things. But as soon as you kind of just boil them and they're soggy and you put sure. them on the side, no one's like, yes, <laughs> yum. And that, that was what I noticed so much. Like if you just gave it five minutes more attention, then they got demolished. So how do you describe your food philosophy? I guess for me, I really, I really like the term plant-based because yeah. that's how I eat. Like my focus is plant. Pretty much everything I eat is vegan, but and it's all vegetarian. But I like plant-based because it feels accessible for everybody, and that's what I want Delicious Yellow to be. I think sometimes with wellness and with healthy, it can feel a tiny bit exclusive. Like if you're not ready to just eat massage kale every day, like you can't be part of this. <laughs> and um, and I think that can be off-putting. And I know for me, when I started this, I read some amazing books and websites and stuff, and I was so inspired by the concept behind it. And then I kind of got to the end, and they're like, right, this is all you're going to eat. And it was like kale wrapped in spinach, wrapped in cucumber. And this is someone that was living off cereal and burgers. And I was like, I am not ready to, to do that. It was too much of a leap and it felt kind of too scary almost as a result. And I think people often feel that. So I like the idea of kind of celebrating natural food, home cooking and and the idea of it being plant-based because I think with the word base implies like it's the base of your sure. meal. Like you can add to it. Like you don't have to be vegan. You don't have to be vegetarian. You don't have to be paleo. You don't have to be raw. You don't have to be anything. You can just include more of this in your life. And I think that's been a philosophy that's been really important to me, especially as we've grown and to talk to more and more people is to make it feel as kind of friendly and welcoming and as dip in and out as possible. I love that. So in the evolution of Deliciously Ella, so you go from a blog and, and, and getting bigger on social media to books, and then you open May Deli. Yeah, so we've opened three delis. We now changed the name actually to Deliciously Ella. Oh, you did? Yeah, well, so originally it was May because I, I, after my first book came out, Delicious Yellow had like exploded and before that point I'd been working on my own and I'd done like, all the social media bits and then I'd done things like... Oh, you um, did everything yourself. Yeah, and I did <laughs> cooking classes and, and I did an app and then the first book and that exploded and I was... People were suddenly really interested in what we were doing and I had all these amazing opportunities and but I wasn't really ready for it. I was still really young and I'd never had another job before because I started this in college so I started interviewing people and I was like hi will you work for me like I need help I don't know what to ask you I'm so unprofessional you know and I met Matt who's my now husband right, I was gonna say did he come for an interview and then <laughs> although actually <laughs> yeah I kind of though like almost and I met him we started talking about it and he was asking me questions like, what's your margin on this? Like, what's your P&L, like your profit and loss? And I was like, what? <laughs> no idea. It's like, it's just working. Anyway, and so we started talking about doing it together. And I was really excited by that because I was a bit lost, to be honest. Um, I loved the brand side, the creative side, the food side, the community, the connection. But I didn't have a clue how to even open a spreadsheet, let alone create one. And I had no idea how to hire anyone or really kind of conduct anything in a kind of slightly more commercial business sense. And so him and I started talking about how we worked together because he'd been working in business development that we could do so much more. And so we started working together. And at that point, we thought, okay, what we really want to do is open sites and spaces where people can come together and they can share this food. And so we decided to call it May because that was our initials, Matthew and Ella. Although uh, our dog's called Austin, so we're always like, it's Matthew, Austin, Ella, because he's the most important part of everything we do. And what kind of dog do you have? He's a working Cocker Spaniel, but okay. we work for him. Like <laughs> We work really hard for him. He's a working Cocker yeah, Spaniel, but we work hard for him. We work super hard for him. He's the king. Like He rules everything. He's so badly behaved. It's unbelievable. But he's like the friendliest dog ever, but he is also the greediest dog you've ever met. He knows how to open our bin. So like every time you turn around, his head is in the bin. Like He has his paws up, his head in. And he's, yeah, he's really naughty, but he's great. Anyway, so we decided to call it that. And then as that grew, we decided that. Well, so what, so like, let's, so you're like, okay, we're going to open a physical location physical and people location. are going to come in. Yeah. Well, so because, well, we always, I've always tried to be led on our community and what people are asking for. Kind of, as I said, like I've always wanted Delicious Yellow to be useful and something that people provide something that people actually want within this space. 
And people said, we really want somewhere to come to. You have to open a space. And so we decided that's what we would do first. So we went out, we found a space, and we found the smallest space we could find because the rent was the best. (laughs) And it's really small, the first site. Like, it's tiny. And we really had no idea what was going to happen, like whether anybody would come or not. So we, we worked away at it. And we got it open and we opened it the 12th of December, 2015. And um, I just remember sitting there, we opened the doors and I was like, oh my gosh, we don't have a single customer. What have we done? And, but we couldn't do like PR or anything at that point and we didn't have the budgets for it and we didn't couldn't afford a manager or anything and we also had no idea what was going to happen so we so were doing there working everything <laughs> like man I literally were doing everything from like cleaning the loos to serving the customers doing the tills hiring the staff like doing the rotors um cleaning everything and we opened it and then within about five days we suddenly had like people had realized we'd opened and it went mad and we had crazy cues and it was one of those things that was like equally amazing and equally just terrifying because suddenly you have this queue of people coming and you're like I don't know what to do with you I never expected this to happen and then after about three weeks Matt got really bad flu because we'd just been working crazy hours like 18 hours a day we just weren't sleeping which again was really counterintuitive because that's what happens a lot in wellness it's like you get into it and then you're so passionate and then something's succeeding and you're not working so hard then it's like what happened to my wellness exactly i'm sure you've been the exact (laughs) same space i'm drinking coffee right now yeah you're like that was not why i started (laughs) we have a nine-month-old daughter that's what's contributing to the coffee right now i bet um yeah so i went and i was like you i can't go on my own you have to come and he was like i'm not coming i'm sick like it's a health and safety hazard if anything else i was like okay so I went on and I gave myself this whole pep talk as I was going in. I was like, you can do it. This is going to be great. And I'm standing there and I'm like seeing this line build at lunch. I was like, oh my God, I'm so scared. And then our chef came to me. She's like, Ella, can I just speak to you for one sec? And I was like, not really. No, I'm super <laughs> busy. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And I was like trying to be good. I was like, yeah, of course. And she's like, I just have to tell you, I actually don't want to be a chef anymore. And I'm quitting and I'm going to move to Barcelona. And I was like, I just remember standing there. And I was like, what have I done? Like, this was the worst idea I've ever had. And I just went Did anyone home. take a picture of your face at that moment? I wish. I just went home and I cried. And I was crying so much. And I was like, why are you crying? And I was like, because we're doomed. It's all over. Like, everything's gone wrong. And he was like, this is the most ridiculous reaction I've ever heard in my life. Like, we will find someone else. I was like, no, it's all over. I was, so, I was just so scared about everything and like, getting it wrong and messing up and what people were going to think. And he was so much more confident about it. And he got straight on LinkedIn and he was stalking everyone who would maybe be a great, healthy chef. And he found all these people and because we couldn't afford to message them via LinkedIn, he went and found their personal Instagram and Facebook pages. I was like commenting on pictures of their kids being like, hey, it's Matt from Delicious Yellow, call me. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, what have we done? But anyway, after that point, we found someone great and it kind of, I realized that when I needed to breathe a bit more and that it was going to be okay. And so we started creating but where we were really excited was because in terms of kind of making it useful and making healthy a bit more accessible we wanted to go into the product space within supermarkets Mm -hmm. because they were really depressing places and i'm not sure what you guys call it in the us but in the uk in supermarkets you have an aisle called the free from aisle which i think is oh interesting is that like natural for you natural and organic yeah it's like the worst name ever because it's free from right it's like yum (laughs) It's, (laughs) it's, it's really uninspiring but it is where the kind of free from stuff is so like free from gluten or dairy and things like that so it often so basically all the healthier products were going into that category but it was really fragmented. And so we were excited to go into that. So that's what we decided to do. And then when we went to talk to all the supermarkets, they said, we wanted to be called Delicious Ciela, not May Deli. So we ended up changing the name of the delis to support the products because that's ended up being our kind of main focus. And the delis, we just want to have a couple and do great events there, but make it more about kind of community and sharing the food and kind of being able to show people what you can do with natural ingredients and simple ingredients but not to make it into a chain. And how many delis do you have now? So we have three in London and then we've done two pop-ups and we do festivals and catering and events and things like that. 
And then with products, we've done three ranges now in, and we're in about five and a half thousand stores at home. Wow. Yeah, so it's been a really big ramp up. Um, so are there plans to come to the US? Maybe yeah. Brooklyn? Bro- Brooklyn will be the first stop. <laughs> no, we really want to. I mean, the market here is just so much bigger and I think you guys are a bit more forward thinking sometimes yep. as well, um, which is exciting, I think, especially within this space. So that's the dream. It's slightly complicated process, but hopefully in the next kind of year or two, we definitely will. Oh, wow. Yeah. So next next year? Hopefully kind of maybe So deli or product or Products, both? I think, to start okay. with. We'll see, though. You got your deli. So I've been to your deli. It's amazing. I forget. I had like the chocolate. It was like a chocolate peanut butter gluten-free oh, brownie, yeah, I want to say. People are really into this. It was amazing. <laughs> I remember I woke up and I walked and I got coffee and I was like, this is amazing. I know. That's so good. <laughs> but then that was the other thing. Like I remember when we were working in the deli, it was so intense. I would eat like nine of those a day. Like yeah. plus. <laughs> because I was like, I'm so tired. They're good though. They are good, but like, I'm not sure you're meant to have nine. No, probably not. <laughs> not nine, like not nine a day. Um, but yeah, they're really good. I've had a lot of those in the last couple of years. So you work with your husband. What is that like? How do you find? You know, I work with Colleen here. So you know, how do you find balance? How do you how do you work together? Yeah, I'm not sure what it's like for you guys, but I love it. I wouldn't change it for anything. I know some people think we're mad. Um, for it but I think there's there's kind of two elements to it first of all I needed to have like a proper kind of partner in this I would not have had the a to be honest like knowledge and skill set and be the confidence to have done this on my own I would not have been able to get to where we are at all without a partner and I'm really grateful to have it as someone who means so much to me and is so close to me I think that's really special And I think there's an element of that as well, which is that the last couple of years, like it's been so exciting and it's gone from like a little blog that I wrote in my student kitchen, which only my mom read to something which has (laughs) like, you know, we've done four books in 23 languages and, you know, it's the best-selling debut cookbook ever in the UK is like millions of copies and we've opened three sites and done five and a half thousand stockists of stores and like done an app and all the rest of it. But that because we've done so much so quickly, it's it's been hard and it looks great on the outside, but like we've had so many nights where we're like, we are going bankrupt, we're out of business, <laughs> we've leveraged everything we have, we have two pounds in the bank and you're like, we can't pay people, you get screwed over by investors and all the rest of it. And it's kind of, it's it's been really stressful at points and really difficult and especially dealing with personal challenges at the same time, which we've had with both of our families. Um, and having someone that's so fully in there with you has sure. been incredible. And um, and also, but then when the great stuff happens, you have someone to celebrate with and who it means as much to and feels as much of a like celebration and a victory and the kind of overcoming of a hurdle. And I think also there's been an element like we got, I mean, it's kind of ridiculous. I'd broken up with a really long-term boyfriend I'd had and I, he was living in LA and I'd spent tons of time out there and I'd come back to London and Delicious Ella had taken off and it was doing so well and I was super excited and I'd been single for like six weeks. And I was like, this is the dream. I'm in such a great space. And then I get an email from my dad being like, I have this guy, you have to meet him. He is amazing. I was like, that is so weird. <laughs> get that email from your dad. Then he sends me a picture of him. I was like, this is just the creepiest thing that anyone's ever done. Anyway, it's Matt. And he was like, you just have to meet him. So, so your dad him. set you yes, up? Yes, my dad set us so up. So how'd this happen? It's so, Matt, It's actually really slightly strange story. I don't know how well it reflects on Matt. but <laughs> <laughs> So I hope he doesn't listen to this. But he read an article about me in the papers about what I was doing. And his mom had worked with my dad. And he was like, I really want to meet her. <laughs> That's so not bad. Got to what? Well, it's kind of like, it's not, it's like minorly creepy, but <laughs> just like to read about someone and be like, I well, there's have to a happy meet them ending, and date so. them. Yeah. And anyway, he's amazing. He's really confident. It's the best thing that I've learned from him. Like, So if he his wants, mom reaches out to your dad. Yeah. And be like, we have to connect them. <laughs> and so your dad. So then my dad sends me a picture of him and it's like, you have to meet him. He is amazing. Um, so did your dad meet Matthew before? Yes. Did he like he had met him? I think like incidentally as well. Anyway, so then we met. She was like, "Why is my dad texting photos?" Yeah, of- like, why is my dad <laughs> sending me pictures of people I should date? This is like really crossing boundaries. <laughs> um, so and then I, yeah, we met. We went on a date on a Thursday. Went on a second date on a Sunday, which was also the worst date ever because we went to see that amazing film. Um, 
was it called Still Alice or Being Alice with um, Julianne Moore that oh, was yeah. about, I know you're talking about early onset Alzheimer's and it was the most powerful but really emotionally traumatizing movie ever. Great date movie. Yeah, the worst date ever. <laughs> and I just sat there at dinner after and I didn't speak. I was like, what happens if that's my mom? That's all I said. And I was like, we're never going to go out again. Like, he's going to think I'm really not much fun because I was literally silent for two hours. Anyway, he did ask me out again. We went out the following Thursday, so a week after our first date. And other than traveling, when I've traveled for work, we haven't spent a night apart since. And oh, we wow. got engaged three months later, had a dog within about two months, and then started the business. Wow. And everyone was like, you're insane. You have Except to Except for your dad, because he knew this was... Yeah, because my dad was like, I'm the mastermind of all of this. <laughs> <laughs> you have to do this. And it all just went so fast. And yeah, we were married 13 months after we met. Oh, wow. Yeah, so super fast. And at the same time doing the business and everything and anyway because starting the business was obviously also like right in the initial stages of our relationship I think it's been lucky as well that we've been together because we both said like when we started it working together Delicious Yellow was having a moment there was an opportunity for us an excitement for what we were doing a real opening within like this healthy world was exploding especially in the UK which is a little bit behind here and we're like, there's momentum behind this. We have to go. If we're going to do it, we have to run and we have to go fast and we have to accept that that's going to be intense and it's going to be exciting. So that's what we did. But it's also meant like we ended up, we we booked and planned five different trips that we canceled in 18 months because oh, of wow. work. And uh, there was two moments of our six month wedding anniversary. Matt planned this really great weekend in London and we were going to go to our favorite restaurant when we went on our first date. What's that? Um, it's called Nopi. It's oh yeah, I've been yeah, there. It's so I went there. So it's funny. When I was in London, I went there twice. It's so good. I was only in London for like two nights and I went both yeah, nights. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, Otto Langali. It's, yeah, it's yeah. Otto Langi's restaurant yeah. if anyone's listening and they're in London or haven't been. I love that it's place. amazing. I went there in your place. Oh, well, I feel like we're in good company then. <laughs> it's amazing. And we, but we were opening our second deli at that point and we'd had a nightmare with builders and contractions and contractors and landlords and it had just gone so down the drain and that was I think what well, that was from a business perspective our scariest time because it was meant to open six months before and our all our forecasts and everything had been based on that and like we were really at the point of like properly going bankrupt Ooh. and so we were like we just have to open and we walked into the site on the Friday of our like special weekend that we planned and we just looked around and we we're like, shit, this is just really bad. And it, everything had gone wrong and the build I had done was really not very good. And you could just see like everything already like peeling off the walls. And we'd, we'd gone from this like super chic look of like uncovered plaster downstairs. And we're like, it's going to be amazing. And they'd done it so badly. And I walked in and I took my dad's boyfriend. And I was like, what do you think? He was like, oh, it's great. When are they painting it in here? And I was like, no, this is the look. <laughs> it was so bad. Anyway, so we ended up having to just like take everything out. And we spent the whole weekend in there literally just painting the place white. Wow. Like trying to like DIY it. We were sitting there like three in the morning in the freezing cold in the pitch flat being like, happy anniversary. This is super romantic. And then on our one year anniversary, we meant to go to Paris. And we were like, we're going to do it right this time. Like it went so wrong last time. And it's Thursday morning and we're packed and we're super excited. We're about to get the train. And then... Um, Dan, who runs the product side of our business in the office, calls and he was like, hey guys, um, what are you doing today? And we're like, no, we're going to Paris. And he's like, right. It's like a minor <laughs> issue. And we we're like, oh gosh, okay, yeah, what is it? And he was like, right, so Tesco, which is like one of the sure, biggest- they're huge. Yeah, they're huge, they're biggest they're supermarket. They're here too, yeah. Yeah, they're huge. And they're, so that's like the golden ticket for us. It's the dream to get our products in there. And that makes them more mainstream than anything, which is what we want, because we want to make them accessible. So we've been working on it so hard for the last year. And he was like, great news. I'm really excited about the new products, which are our granolas and our mousse. And I was like, yes, this is amazing. Like, why is this bad news? And he was like, but they really need all the details by Monday. Um, otherwise, they won't be able to do anything with it. And I was like, right. <laughs> we were like, okay, bye, Paris. And end up driving up to where we produce our stuff, which is like in the middle of nowhere. And we sit in a porter cabin for the weekend, making like hundreds of kilos of granola. And it was yeah, the least romantic thing ever. But I think that from that perspective, it's been amazing to be in it together so, because you can kind of really laugh about it and sure. like find it funny. Whereas if we weren't together and I was like, cool, I'm just canceling every one of our romantic plans to eat 100 kilos of granola or paint. Right. Like, So how do you find balance, you know, personally and in your relationship? Um, 
increasingly better than I used to. I think I I was really inexperienced when we started this and I was therefore kind of like quite a deer in headlights and like all over the place. I was like, I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do this. And I think as we've gone on and I've kind of understood things better and got better at doing things, I've been a lot more efficient. And I think we also really reached our own breaking point with it. Um, Really, actually, honestly, quite recently, like we had a difficult time with my family last year with my parents. And then we had Matt's mum got very, very unwell, unfortunately, a couple of months ago. And the two together have been been challenging to deal with at the same time as growing the business. And we had realized we got to a point where like all we did was basically work or kind of deal with complicated things. And we never did anything else basically. And actually I was, I was eating well, but I wasn't like every gym class or yoga class I would cancel. I'd like kept downloading meditation apps and doing it for 10 seconds and then being like, hello on the phone. And then sitting in bed at one o'clock in the morning, answering people on Twitter about whether they can substitute cashews for almonds. And it was just getting, like it was getting a bit out of hand. And Matt got really, he actually got sick. Um, He he went to get lunch. He was walking to Whole Foods, so like all the good intentions. And from our office, which is about 10 minutes, and he was walking down the street and kind of within, he said like immediately, suddenly the whole world started spinning. And he couldn't um, stand up and two people rushed over and said they thought he was having a stroke and like laid him down and um, he couldn't talk properly. Anyway, I get a call and they've taken him to the nearest doctor, which is like two streets away. And I meet him there. He can't stand up. He's projectile vomiting. He can't really speak. Um, he is so gray. He like he, It was really, really, really scary. He just couldn't move basically and other than to, to vomit. And he was completely out of it. And it had come on within five minutes. Wow. And I said to the doctor, I was like, what are we doing? He was like, you have to get him to A&E, which is um, our accident emergency. You have to get him there now. And I was like, right, so what's wrong? He was like, you just need to get there now. I was like, oh my gosh, what's happened? Anyway, we get there and turns out like he was actually fine. It lasted about five or six hours. And they thought it was something- That's a long time. Yeah, no, it was a long time. It was absolutely terrifying. Um, they thought it was something called Meniere's disease, which affects the inner ear. And I think a lot of it had been stress um, related, uh, kind of really induced it. And that was, I think, a scary but important moment for the both of us where we were like, we started this to be healthy and this just has got out of hand. And we booked the next day a trip for a week and we we're like we're actually signing off because on our honeymoon we'd sat there on our phone all day sure. answering emails and you know how it is like when you're getting yeah. started you have to do it all like this is just mad like anyway and we went away and we went away for a week and we turned off our social media we turned off our emails we turned off our phones and we just really I think that was a really important realization for me of realizing like a this is how good I feel when I take care of myself and when I actually prioritize how I feel, B, my mental clarity is so much better because I'm not kind of overwhelmed by a hundred things and C, the world does not stop if I turn off my phone. And we came back and we were away for six days. And from that, ever since I've been much better at finding a balance and saying like, now when I'm at home, I have a really great yoga studio down the road. It's like five minutes away and I go pretty much every morning. What's the name of it? It's called Heart Core. Okay. Hardcore. Hardcore, like heart, H-E-A-R-T. Oh, yeah, they're mainly Pilates studios, but they have one yoga one and it's, it's amazing. If you're ever in London, I really recommend it. And um, they're really small classes. They go pretty much every single morning, 6.30 to 7.30 or 7 to 8. And that I don't do any emails, anything before that. And then that means like by the time we finish that, I'm like, right, you are, like you've breathed and connected mm. and you have a kind of sense of calm for the day and that's been massive and also i now leave my computer at home i uh, sorry at work not at home <laughs> i leave it at home i leave it at home i quit <laughs> i leave it in my bed <laughs> yeah, exactly that's it polar opposite no i've now said like when i'm working at home like my, the, i'll stay in the office however long i need to stay but then i'm leaving and when I leave, I'm off and I'm not going to sit in bed telling people cashews or almonds what at one in the morning. What about your phone, though? I try and not look at it when we get back. Okay, that's pretty good. Yeah, I really have, like, 
yeah, everyone, like, obviously I do check every now and again, there are important things sometimes sure. I need dealing with, but unless it's something that's important or in, like immediate and needs resolving, it can wait until the next morning. And how Matt's feeling good? Yeah, no, okay. he's- So Matt, it was just that one episode. Yeah, he's had like a few dizzy things and things since, and I think we still need to kind of look further into it, but I think he's he's been fine, yeah. like nothing like that, touch wood, since then. But I think it was a important realization sure. for both of us that like, actually that stress that you're carrying around can kind of physically really sure. affect you as well. And family's doing okay too. I know yeah. it's a process. but Yeah, I think um, Matt's mom is sadly really not very well, so I think that's going to be a, a challenging thing for us. But I think realizing that taking care of our own health is really important sure. has, has been a, you know, like realizing that you're not very helpful to other people when you're not your best either. I think sure. it's important. So being here in the U.S. and soaking up the wellness landscape here yeah. what do you think the differences are between here in the states and, and the uk and i guess like anything that's just more here yeah. it's just bigger um and it's um i i mean i've always said it, it's ultimate generalization and um sorry so forgive me for that because it is a massive generalization but i think in the u.s there's more of a it's more okay to kind of be proud of yourself and to like work a work on self betterment in any area of your life, whether that's your health or your career, and kind of be proud of yourself and put yourself forward more so than it is at home. Because the UK is like I think we're kind of naturally quite self deprecating mm-hmm. and kind of um, you know sort of keep calm and carry on. Like you, <laughs> you know, we're not necessarily as good at maybe opening up about stuff, and we're a little bit more I think kind of critical and sometimes of things so I think wellness has been a slower build at home um because people are maybe I don't know not as ready for it and not as ready to say okay this is what I want to focus on and spend my time on and I maybe I can be a better version of myself and that that's a that's a maybe a positive thing so it's definitely been slow I mean whenever I come here and LA is obviously amazing as well and you um you see like there's you know there's juice on every corner too much juice maybe there's the most insane (laughs) amount of juice like i'm just blown away by the amount of juice in new york um but it's it's very easy here and i said to someone i met yesterday i was like oh where should i go to yoga here they're like oh there's this new place there's half yoga half boxing since when is that a thing you know we would never for much longer maybe (laughs) no but like you know what i mean there's like always i feel like people are always trying new things and there's like it's a bit more kind of, I guess, open-minded and forward-thinking and um, innovative than it is at home. But that being said, we're really starting to see a kind of breakthrough and people's increasing interest in it, which is which is really, really exciting. So what are some of your favorite places in London other than, you know, your own, your yeah, own exactly. Delhi, which everyone has to go to, and Nopi you mentioned. Like, yeah. what are your favorite for people traveling to London? Where do we need to go? Traveling to London. Um, well, it depends. There's, um, you know, we obviously have Whole Foods in London, but there's another really nice chain called Planet Organic, oh. which is all organic, and they have great products. So if you want to see, like, what, what we make in the UK, that's great. And if you need, like, your kombucha fix or anything, then you'll get that there. But they kombucha, also have. Do you have G- GT was on the podcast the other. Oh, uh, uh, really? Yeah. Do they uh, have GTs in uh, London? Uh, no, I don't think so yet. No. Okay. And they have a great salad bar as well. So that's a great place. And there's, I think, 10 or so of them are now in London. So that's a really nice place to go. And. Any yes. other favorite restaurants? Yeah, there's cafes. a really nice restaurant called Mildred's in Soho, which is, was the, it's the oldest vegetarian restaurant in London. And that's really cool. They have good stuff. And if you're in kind of the Chelsea area, there's a place called Juice Baby that do all organic cold-pressed juices and really good salads and really, really good desserts Mm -hmm. and smoothies and things. So they're great. And there's another place called Sea Press. They have a couple, again, which is great for juice. There's a place that just opened called Pharmacy, which is doing really well, um, which is all plant-based and they do tons of different stuff. They do lots of the kind of bowl concepts like a Mexican bowl and bowls with like broccoli and sauerkraut and quinoa and things like that. But they also do burgers, like veggie burgers and spelt pizzas and things like that. And then they do their signature thing and these little syringe shots like with turmeric and things like that. So they're really great. Um, There's a raw restaurant if you're looking for raw food called Nama which do really good if you go they do a truffle zucchini pasta that sounds good yeah that's really good but then i think generally the other place that you find a lot of kind of great restaurants that are more kind of 
slightly um, more sort of Peruvian or Japanese and they often have really good food as well. There's a little bit healthier and that incorporates sure. more fresh food. There's a restaurant that we really like for dinner um, in Soho called Choto Mate, which does really good. They do loads of, they, like they have signature sushi, but they do really good um, veggie stuff and Ooh. like quinoa things and um, a bit healthier take on that kind of food. It's really good. So what is the future of Deliciously Ella? Where do you want to be in like a year from now, three years? What's the vision? Do you know what? In some ways it's so hard to say because I never thought I'd be here. <laughs> and like, I think I've been kind of constantly surprised every step of the way by what we've done and, and what we're doing. So yeah, if someone had said to me like, would you have done everything you would have achieved now? I would have said absolutely not in a million years. But I think in terms of our focus, for me, like I really want to continue to make Delicious Yellow useful. And I think this explosion of health and wellness has been amazing and it's really, really exciting. But I think that there's a huge amount of work to be done. And I think one of the things that I'm really passionate about is trying to make it maybe a bit more normal and mm -hmm. a bit less about, there's the, there's a time and place for everything. And I, I love it all and I love trying it all. But I think sometimes we get a bit too obsessed with like adaptogenic mushrooms and like <laughs> yoga boxing classes. And we forget that like eating well can be about eating carrots and mm. you know oats and chickpeas. And it can be kind of that simple and that easy and that doable for most people. And like, I, I love what we do, but I think there's, um, there is a kind of serious side underneath it. And it's not something that I talk about as much, but you, you know, you, like, it's really scary to see. I read something the other day that in the UK between 2013 and 2016, there were 25,000 amputations of the leg, foot or toe for type two diabetes yes, complications. Yeah. I'm like, that's really scary. We shouldn't be cutting off 25,000 limbs. Mm. And you know, that's like childhood obesity and the, you know, the spending billions on lifestyle related diseases. It's really scary. And if that's ever gonna change, then we need to get people eating better. And I always say like, if you walked onto the street now and you asked, a teenager you know it's pizza cool I'm, I'm pretty sure everyone would say yes and like if you said a fries cool I'm pretty sure everyone would say yes and then when you say is a lentil cool they'd be like no and it's not that the other two need to say no and that you should ever never have fries or pizza again but that it's that we need to say that lentils and cauliflower and broccoli are cool and delicious as well otherwise I don't think we're ever going to change anything so my kind of big focus really with what we're doing is I really want to continue to make it useful I want to continue to make it as as accessible as possible. And that's something that's kind of I'm increasingly looking at and working on is kind of one pot dishes and things that focus on simple, accessible ingredients as well. I mean, people love like the desserts and the cookies because oh, yeah. those are fun and those are sure. indulgent and that's an important part of it. But I think underneath that, we need kind of like quick weekday suppers and things that people will feel like they can do and they can connect to. And then in terms of the kind of business side, we're really excited about the product space and feel like that's definitely where we can do the most. What and are you thinking for products? I, I really want to do savory next. I want oh, to do um, things that, like I love, you know, I love things where you can get one ingredient and then you can buy a couple of fresh things and you can have something. So I want to do easy sauces and things like that so that you could buy. Sauces would be interesting. Yeah, so you yeah. can buy broccoli and whatever else and you can quickly saute that up and cook it as you're cooking your fresh food. But then you're adding in the sauce so you get the flavor. Mm -hmm. And because I think that's sometimes where people struggle is they, they just can't, they're too tired, they're too, mm -hmm. I know I get that. I get home from work at like nine o'clock and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't even begin to imagine like cooking like a whole thing and simmering this and sauteing that but I could get one pot out and quickly saute two things so I love little bits that you can chuck in that suddenly make it come together and taste good but but they don't require as much effort when you don't have the time any wellness pet peeves wellness pet peeves it's a great question um I think from my perspective it's often that people want to put everything into a box and yeah. it has to be has to have a label and it has to be so clearly defined and i i don't think that's necessarily right for any of us really necessarily um and i think it can make it feel off-putting hmm. to people and i think it's that's that and then i think sometimes when like it's fun discovering new kind of slightly wacky or crazy things but i think sometimes those are the things that put people off it and that make us feel a bit kind of 
inaccessible or kind of mildly ridiculous to people like yoga boxing or something yeah and i bet yoga boxing is (laughs) really really fun and i bet i would absolutely (laughs) love it but i think it's just that sometimes people feel like in order to be healthy they need to ton of money they need to spend 40 dollars on this class and they need to drink mushrooms for breakfast and they need to massage their kale every day and And they need to do this and they need to do that a hundred dollars before i got out of bed exactly (laughs) and take 30 different supplements and they think oh my gosh you know i'm busy i get out of bed at six i work 12 hours a day i can't do that i can't afford to do that i don't have the time to do that and i think that's sometimes a bit of a shame so what keeps you up at night and what has you excited in the morning um i think the thing that keeps me up at night honestly practically from a business perspective it has been like money and cash flow and thinking that we're going bankrupt and (laughs) how are we going to pay people and keep the lights on i know what that feeling is like it's not fun yeah Yeah. it's scary and um yeah so that's that's kind of kept me up at night and but i'm a real warrior to be honest naturally like i'll just get into bed and i'm like oh my god everything's going wrong (laughs) like i'm worried about this i'm worried about that but I think the thing that makes me excited and people often ask like, where does your inspiration come from? And to me, it's honestly, it's our readers and the audi- our audience. And when you do events and you get to meet people in person as well, because it's amazing every day. And I'm sure you guys get it on a massive scale compared to this. You get messages from people saying like, you know, my, I've really changed my life. Like I feel so much better. I'm happier. I'm healthier, you know, and that, to me, is is kind of the most exciting thing of all. And not everyone's going to like what you do, and that's absolutely fine. But if one person is like genuinely really benefited from it, that's a very exciting thing. Powerful stuff. Yeah. So last question. So if you could, before we talk about natural feasts, with, which <laughs> everyone has to pick up, uh, if you could go back in time and give yourself advice when you were struggling with your health in your early 20s, what advice would that be? I think it's that, um, to try and focus on the bigger picture and to try and um, have a bit more kind of patience and faith that things work out and that you know you need to often put a lot into something to see results and that quick fixes and kind of the immediacy isn't always there but doesn't mean that it's not worth trying it um i think that was the thing that i needed help with the most like to imagine that there was like a way out and there was it was going to be positive in the future you just had to kind of keep pushing through that so natural feasts natural the feast. book is out which everyone has to go pick up so <laughs> what can people expect in this beautiful book well i think with this book it was that i i got a tiny bit frustrated sometimes because you get messages from people all the time saying i'm loving eating well i'm feeling really good i cook this for lunch but my husband my kids my friends my family they think i'm mad you know how do i share this with them and i realized that so often i think kind of we just said like people sometimes think to be healthy they have to sit at home on their own and meditate and massage their kale and it's like you know it doesn't have to be that way like it can be something that's fun that's delicious that's abundant that's colorful and that's shareable with people and i think again that's the way that we're going to get people doing it more often more of the time and persuading more people about that eating natural food can be a great thing and so I really wanted this book to be about that, about things that you would cook and share with your friends and family and that really focused on flavor and ingredients and I guess brought a bit of sometimes joy and excitement into this. Amazing. Ella Mills, thank you so much for being here. Deliciously Ella, everyone. Thank Natural you. Feast, pick it up. Thank you. <laughs>